Welcome to the Grey Wolf Podcast. Welcome everyone to another big edition of Grey Wolf Wrestling. My name is Nimsizor, joined as always by Ned Tepper. And Ned, this is one of those worlds collide moments because you and I are massive comic book fans. We are massive wrestling fans. And let's face it, it's been the one thing that's been keeping us through the pandemic. So today's interview is going to be a hell of a meeting of the words. Are you as pumped as I am, Nettie? Oh, very excited for this one. It doesn't matter that it's 7 a.m. in the morning here for us. We are up. We are about because we have two big time legends on the show. We certainly do. Please welcome our guests a double shot. We have got the one and only Tony Schiavone and Dirk Manning joining us here on Grey Wolf Wrestling. Boys, welcome to the show. How are you? It's not 7 a.m. here, so I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing. You having us on. Yeah. yeah. I'm doing great, Nims and uh, Ned. How are you guys doing? Yeah, going really well, Tony. And it is an honor to have you on here, like Nims said. And we wanted to kick things off by saying, first up, this comic book, Butts in Seats. Pretty safe to say that fans wanted this one, uh, Dirk. You guys have pledged $135,000 in, in the pledge alone, and you're only looking for twenty. Safe to say the fans are hype about this one. Yeah, it, uh, it obviously the... The old cliche is uh, that it, it exceeded all expectations, and it really did because, as you said, we were looking for $20,000 for the Kickstarter. And uh, then I had been told, I, I think by our, our lawyer, Mike Dawkins, I had been told, well, maybe 30000 And then it just kept ticking up and up and up to, to where we're just kind of sitting back and watching to see where the end result would be. And, and the fact is that we really haven't yet, with the exception of podcast and and uh, talk about it on social media. Uh, we really haven't gone out really and promoted this book much further than trying to get a Kickstarter and try to get pre-sales because it really doesn't come out later this year. We don't, we haven't put our TV efforts behind it in AEW, which they're going to help me when it comes out. So, needless to say, uh, this kind of this kind of blew us away. Yeah, yeah, it did. I mean, um, we all had an internal gauge for what we, we thought this book would do, you know, and, and, and I'm not getting into the deal. This person said this, but this person said this, but no one, no one suspected that we would have the level of success that we did. And that's not to say we were betting against ourselves, but rather this was fairly uncharted territory in a way to, to do a book like this, to do what was more or less an autobiographical comic about Tony, who's obviously very, uh, revered in the in the wrestling industry a lot of times people do this kind of book and it's you know maybe they're they cast themselves as superhero or more of a, you know different light and things like that and this was just really uncharted territory for us and uh it got to the point where behind the scenes on the kickstarter we were scrambling to add more stretch goals and stuff like that to reward the people who were so enthusiastically backing it and and the joke is it got to a point where by the time we had announced certain stretch goals, they had already been unlocked, even though people didn't know they were yet. People were just that into the book and stuff like that, you know, and, 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 and huge kudos go to Tony for, for the things he did to promote the book and for source point press. And yeah, it was, it was, it was humbling. So to all of you out there who supported the book, thank you. And if you missed the Kickstarter, you can go to butts and seats, and still pre-order before the book actually uh, lands on shelves later this year. Well, that's one of the cool things about this because it is, I mean, like you sort of mentioned, it's so unique. We've, we've seen wrestling books before, but we've never really seen 
it in this format? I mean, what was the process like? I mean, Dirk, this is very much your universe, but Tony, I'm sure you'd agree with me. You could probably name all the wrestling comics in like on one hand. So what exactly was this process? How did the ball actually get rolling? Because, and I'm sure Tony, when you, when someone, when Dirk, even with someone like his pedigree knocks on your door and says, Hey, we want to do a wrestling comic. And you're like, is there such a thing? <laughs> well, Nims, that's exactly what I thought. I thought, is there such a thing? Now I, I love comic books. I, I love comic book characters. I read a lot of comics when I was younger and read some back through the nineties when, uh, when I had kids here at the house kind of got away from it. You know, I've watched all the TV shows and all the movies that are out. So I'm still into it. I'm, I've always been into Batman. Uh, so when Mike Dawkins, a, a name that I, I just brought up moments ago, who is uh, my attorney, uh, approached me about doing a, a graphic novel about my life story. It, it really appealed to me. However, I kind of thought, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if that would work. I, I'm not sure. Uh, there have been uh, people approach me about writing books before, and I kind of like drug my feet on that only because I know it's a lot of work, and I never has been very confident that my story was a story that would sell a book. Of course, now, now I'm back on AEW. I'm getting a lot more TV exposure, and I was away from the business for 18 years. I removed myself from the business so there, I guess, in that time, there was a want to hear, you know, what's Tony Schiavone been up to? So he approached me about doing a, um, a graphic novel, and I told him, I said, uh, one condition, uh, that I don't want to have this guy named Dirk Manning write it. <laughs> and he said, too bad. So oh, really? Kind of the fine print. Right. Yeah, okay. Right, right. okay. So... So uh, he knows Dirk. Uh, they're all from that great city called Toledo, Ohio, which is one of the great metropolitan areas uh, north of Toledo, Ohio. And uh, it's uh, they got together and we started doing some Zoom calls and uh, it just kind of all fell into place. And uh, it's, you know, I uh, again, if you say there are not many wrestling comics, I've only heard of one wrestling comic book and that was Jim Cornette's. And I kind of heard that who's secondhand. I haven't really seen it or read it myself, uh, but uh, I'm sure there have been others. I know we have uh, people backstage in AW who are big comic book fans or big into comic books, um, but something like this, you know, piqued my interest and we got together and well, here we are year over a year later. Yeah, most definitely, Tony. And well, I guess that leads on to you, Dirk. We're saying there's not many wrestling comic books and that sort of thing. How much out of the box was it for you to get behind a, a wrestling comic rather than what you, you usually do? Right. Well, you know, I, I've been a, a fan of wrestling pretty much my whole life. I think like a lot of people that grew up with it, I fell away from it for a while when I was in college, basically, and got back into it after that. But again, just like Mike Dawkins approached Tony, he then also approached me and was like, hey, how would you feel about doing a comic book with Tony Schiavone? And my reaction was, I'd be willing to have that discussion, you know, and, and that's obviously that's nothing against Tony. Obviously, it's nothing against the idea of doing a wrestling comic. But to me, it was a situation where, because like you said, I, I'm mainly known as like a horror guy. 
And, yeah. and one might argue that Tony telling Tony's life story would be a horror story. And that would be a fair assessment to make. Yeah. Well, let's, let's clarify, let's clarify that it's, are you saying horror story or horror story? <laughs> <laughs> well, people got to read the book to find out. All okay. The, all right. Got, got you. We don't want to, we don't, we don't want to, we don't want to give everything away. We want to no. leave. Them. I got you. No, but <laughs> um, honestly, my, my, I don't want to say my trepidation, but the reason that it wasn't an instant yes was because well, it was twofold. One, the amount of work it would take to do something like this to really tell Tony's story accurately, as opposed to me being able to kind of do what I wanted. That's not something you can do when you're dealing with a, a real life person, but also making sure that I would be the right fit for a book like this. I mean, being a wrestling fan and, and being a, a comic book writer is fine, but you also really need the right person to, to do something like this. And I think as I told Michael, I said, I'll have that discussion. And I said, if I'm not the guy if I don't think I can do this story justice, I said, I could clearly find someone that, that would. Um, and like, like Tony said, we, we ended up getting on a Zoom call. This actually, the book started or the, the meeting started right when uh, the pandemic started, which I think ultimately we would have done Zoom anyway because we're all different locations. You know, our editors on the West Coast, you know, uh, you know Tony's Rias, we're all in different places. And, and I think we all really hit it off, you know, and despite Tony's clause that it be anybody that Dirk Manning that write this comic, mm -hmm. uh, as, as it turned out, you know, I was able to woo him into it. And uh, um, we had Zoom meetings every couple of weeks when we would get together, the whole team, uh, we would chat, I would go write the script, I'd send it to Tony, he would tell me everything that was wrong. Uh, I would, <laughs> I would try to blame our editor, Drina Joe, it wouldn't work. So then I would go back and fix it. And uh, then we, we handed it off to the artists. We did that for about a year until we had the scripting done, the bulk of the art done. And then we launched the Kickstarter. And here we are in a couple of months, the book will be out. And uh, it was cool. It, it's different. It's definitely not the type of thing I think I'm normally known for doing, even though I've written books with other real people. I've done a book with the Harp Twins. Obviously, I do Haunted Highons with Twisted. But this was really rewarding. It was fun. Uh, it, it was a great experience, uh, flexing different muscles, and and in the end, the end goal, the end product. When people see the book, it's it's incredible. I'm, I'm extremely proud of this, and honored to have the opportunity. Well, you've got a Tony's got a career that spans almost forty years. I mean, that's like almost four decades worth of content that you need to cram into a graphic novel. Uh, Tony, did you have any specific like tentpole points that you know when you sort of had the first meetings with Dirk, like, okay, out of everything, these are the things that we have to, that we really do have to cover. And how were you able to limit a career that's so vast into a graphic novel? Because it seems almost impossible. Uh, yeah, I, I, that's really a good point. I There were some things that, uh, first of all, this is not a the story about my childhood because uh, it, it is a story about me professionally. It's a story about me first... Uh, watching wrestling first getting involved uh, in wrestling as a fan and then getting a job out of college and then where my life went from there so my parents not my parents not in this at all uh, uh tony as a young kid he, you basically start with tony in high school and uh some of the points were uh first of all when i started watching wrestling with my uncle john and that's how i got involved in it that's how i started to love it so much and then it goes through the years of, of me going to matches and graduating from college, getting a job in baseball, which baseball is always, always what I wanted to do. And then trans, 
transferring my career by happenstance into pro wrestling. I happened to be in the right place at the right time. And, and then it chronicled my life going from there to uh, being out of wrestling, being uh, disillusioned by it, uh, going, going out of wrestling, doing something else, and now getting back into it. And that's kind of where we end up. So it's kind of the story as Tony Schiavone wrestling fan. And I really hate to talk to myself in third person, but <laughs> me as a wrestling fan, started as a wrestling fan and now here I am in AEW. So it's, it's everything in between, which is a lot I know, but there are certain points that we hit that are very important. Like again, my uncle John, my first time I went to a wrestling match, um, me, uh, meeting the Crockett family, um, me going to work for, uh, the WCW, uh, me going out of wrestling. So we, we, uh, we started those points and, uh, and Dirk kind of, I guess, Dirk, you kind of came up with the different chapters, didn't you, that you thought were points in my life, and and I just kind of filled them in from there. Yeah, and, and, and again, you know, credit to our, our head of talent relations, Mike Dawkins, on this one. Him and I went back and forth, and we really narrowed this down to, like, 10 chapters. And what, what's interesting is there's chapters which will detail a several-year span within 10 pages, because every chapter, all the main, the 10 main chapters are 10 pages each. And then there'll be a chapter that covers like a couple of nights, like the butts and seats, you know, call is its own chapter. But then there's a chapter that covers almost 20 years when Tony was out of wrestling, you know. So we really wanted to talk about Tony's whole life in wrestling, but also kind of different stages of, of that journey and of that story, we get a little more granular. You know, there are certain things like during his time with uh, WCW or time in WWE where we, we dig into that more and it was an ebb and a flow I guess in, in the storytelling but I decided early on and again you know Mike Mike helped with this too as we kind of conceptualized it to really where I landed was do 10 chapters and a different artist doing each chapter that would really best complement and accentuate that part of Tony's life story. So there's a chapter when, when Tony met Lois in, in that courtship and things like that. Uh, Sally Scott drew that chapter, did an incredible job. Tony's life outside of wrestling. Again, that's like a 20 year span almost. I had Josh Ross come and illustrate that because I knew that he would do a really good job on that chapter. Colm Griffin did uh, the, the Butts and Seats evening. He did that, you know. So I, I really, it was fun because a lot of my roots in comics are writing in the anthology style format and having different artists do different stuff and demonstrating the, the power and the versatility of the, uh, versatility of the medium. So I was able to kind of scratch that itch again. And then obviously as the book got bigger and bigger, we added more chapters with more artists, we had chapter breaks, which were mini stories in themselves, but ultimately just came down to what's Tony's life in wrestling. And that, that's how we kind of hit the high points from there and, not really too many low points, I would say, <laughs> you know. No, not too, not too many. I, I, I know there were a couple of chapters where, you know, and based on his background, Dirk said, uh, can we have a chapter about zombies? And I went, no. <laughs> <laughs> can we have a chapter about somebody gets murdered and their head cut off and visit a grave? And I went, no, that's not going to work. So <laughs> he didn't I want to talk about his second date with Lois. I kind of wanted to corral his uh, creative juices there <laughs> and make it a real story. Like, why can't we have Cthulhu in the book, Tony? Come on. Have you, ever, you're right. no, just, you never know the next book. That, that's true. Right. Now that we got this one out of the way, there, right. there's, been, there's been discussions about, right. you know, what, what Tony and I will do next. And, right. Uh, 
we'll we'll see where it goes. Yeah, and it sounds to me like you're a little bit of a spoil sport there, Tony. I'd love to see you know some zombies and whatnot make an appearance. So hopefully, hopefully. Thank you. With- <laughs> Hey, I, don't know, I don't know about you guys, but I'm zombie freaking out. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is getting a little bit that way, to be yes. honest. Yes. Okay. What I love about you, though, Tony, though, and it's a very rare thing, and a buddy of mine are always talking about this. It's kind of rare to sort of find someone that's into, you know, the sports side of things and the comic side of things on the same, same sort of same person into both sports and you know a little bit more of the nerdy side of things. You said you're yeah. a big comic book fan growing up. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to know. You're in the Batcave now, right? What, what yes. sort of superhero or superpower would you have if, if you could, Tony? Uh, I would have the superpower that Bruce Wayne uh, told uh, Flash when they uh, in the Justice League when they got into the car. He said, what's your superpower? He said, I'm rich. And that oh. would be my superpower, okay? <laughs> be rich enough to buy all these gadgets and all these gizmos and these great cars and this suit and be able to do all that would be my superpower. That's what you would would you want like the bat suit and stuff with all like the cool stuff on oh, it? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. But then he can buy it. He's a smart man. I yeah, just buy it. See, and here and I'm a chump thinking like teleportation. That way oh, I can always get to where I need to be very quickly and just get no. there and get out, you know. No, no. When, when I'm in a room with Tony and I want to leave, I can just I... blip out, you know. Yeah. <laughs> no. Billionaire. Right. Yeah, that's fair. See, we've been See that the Tony Khan, who who is the as everybody knows, owns AEW, is a billionaire, and he always wanted to do wrestling. If I were in Tony Khan's shoes, I would be a superhero. <laughs> yeah. mm. So what you're saying, Tony, is if you see if you see Tony Khan come to work dressed as Iron Man tomorrow, then he's been <laughs> listening to your advice. That that's exactly right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, we, we talk about AEW a little bit because as you mentioned, I mean, when, when Nitro shut its doors and, you know, there was a couple of years, like I was, I was following to see like, oh, you know, we'll see where Tony and Scott Hudson and Mike Denae head up. I mean, Mike Denae obviously had a very successful run with TNA, but you really sort of distanced yourself out. And it was really cool when you jumped back into wrestling with uh, MLW right. and all that sort of stuff. But Dynamite is just massive. It is something that, I can legitimately say he's on par with Raw. It's on par with SmackDown. I mean, you guys did a million, over a million people just last Wednesday night. And congratulations to that, especially up against the NWA. I mean, did you ever think that you'd be calling wrestling, doing play-by-play on this level again in your life? No, not at all. I never thought, Nims, I would ever get back into it. I thought that my time had uh, had, uh, come and gone. I... uh, there was a time when WCW went down, as we all know, that was in 01. And I thought, uh, well, maybe I'll stick with the WWE or at the, at that time, WWF. And they didn't, they, they had nothing. They want, they didn't want anything to do with me at all. And that was fine. So there became a point after I kind of, uh, exhausted my attempts with uh, the WWE that I said, you know what? Um, it's time to move on and it's time to reinvent yourself. I was, I was a sports announcer before I became a wrestling announcer. And now let me do sports again. And there's a part in the, in the book that Lois and I discussed that. And so, uh, I, I thought it was all behind me and I was doing some great things. I was, I was working for the Atlanta Braves radio network. I was doing uh, sports talk a little bit. I was working with the Georgia Bulldogs 
on their broadcast, basketball and football. I got a job doing the Braves AAA team in Gwinnett. Uh, and so I was, I was, I was actually doing sports casting, which is what I wanted to do and everything was fine. And, um, but it, it wasn't paying what wrestling was paying. And at times we were struggling and I often, I would do other things to supplement my income, like work at Starbucks, which I only worked at Starbucks. Well, for two reasons, I needed the, uh, I needed the health insurance, number one, but number two, I really enjoy Starbucks and I really want to always want to say, man, I'd love to be able to do that. I'd love you to learn how to make those coffees. Uh, so, but it never really in my mind entered that I'd wanted to do it again until, uh, I was, there's this guy, I can't remember his name. I'm sorry. Uh, but he, he used to run some NWA fan fests in the Carolinas and he got in touch with me a number of times and said, would you come do the fan fest? And I said, no, I don't want to do it. And I turned him down, I think like twice. So the third time I finally said, you know what? I'm going to be in Charlotte doing baseball that time. I might as well pick up a few extra bucks and come do it. So I did the fan fest and Conrad Thompson happened to be in the audience and heard how, how I am, how I really am. Not the Tony Schiavone on, that you saw on TV, but how I really am and what happened when. And he said, man, we can make a podcast out of this. And that kind of started the ball rolling back to where it is right now. So, and that was 2017. So, and, and I was reluctant, really, I was reluctant to even get back into it because there was just, it was just too bloody of a mess when I left and I didn't want that bloody mess on my hands anymore. Not like I settle down, Dirk, didn't kill anybody, <laughs> no zombies, but I didn't want to buy anyone. I blood was just going to take notes for the next book, right? <laughs> okay. like, here we go. I didn't Finally. Want I didn't want that bloody mess again. Easy. A year of hearing Tony Easy. just talk about his life. Easy. Now we Easy. can get back to my stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. Red rum. I got it. So, um, <laughs> so I, uh, I just, um, and then Conrad and I started doing our, our podcast. And I really thought that in that time, the 18 years that I had, uh, had been away at, at that time, it was 16 years that I had been away that I thought that you know, Tony Schiavone's era had come and gone. I was past my prime. No one remembered me. No one uh, wanted to hear what I had to say. And I was wrong. I was wrong. And I, and I think I started around a time that nostalgia, I, I think the time he was right because I, I think the, the guys and the girls who watched nitro back in the day, uh, were now 18 years older and now in the workforce and now had, uh, you know, funds and could just make their own decisions to do anything without having to ask mom and dad. And they were now back into me and listening to my voice again. And so I, I came back to an era of that nostalgia was very big for the nineties and it just kind of all, uh, fell into place for lack of a better term. Yeah, it most definitely did, Tony. And like, oh, we've got some notes here. How crazy is it you're there working with JR now? And like at one stage you were like, you know, batting heads back in the the Monday Night Wars back in the day. And and just I love the crossovers and things that are happening now yeah. too, like where you pop up on TNA. I think it's the perfect time. And like you said, like nostalgia is a massive, massive thing. And Nims. We all remember Tony Schiavone. Oh, mate. Are you kidding me? I, I still watch Nitro to the day. I mean, come on. Yeah, you do. <laughs> does, wow. does, that, does that actually freak you out a little bit, Tony, that you have people that like, like you said, like 18 years is a long time. And these are people that right. are probably still in college and stuff like that. 
They'd right. come up to you at a fan fest and be like, oh man, I love that thing you were wearing at Spring Stampede 1997. And that was so cool with the little hats you had. And you're yeah. like, what? I don't even right. remember. <laughs> and you know, one of the, one of the biggest ones, uh, and this is where, this is where I'm very, very blessed and very lucky. One of the biggest ones is Tony Khan. He knows everything about me. Uh, a story, uh, our first, our first dynamite was in Washington, DC, October 2nd, 2019. And I had met with Tony. I knew Tony and, uh, you know, Jr. and I had talked a lot and uh, talked about possibly working together if it all, and it all fell into place. And Jr. and Tony and I were backstage in Washington and we were sitting in catering and Tony looked at me and Jr. He said, man, it's great seeing you two side by side. He said, I can remember Halloween havoc 1991. <laughs> and I looked at Jr. He looked at me like, Oh, oh here we go. And Tony said, do you remember PN news? I went, yeah. He said, do you remember his rap that he had that night? I went, no. <laughs> so Tony rapped the whole song for us right there sitting beside of us. And it was like, holy shit. I, I mean, he knows stuff that we've completely forgotten about. So Tony was one of those fans like yourself that, you know, that watched Nitro and then watched WCW Saturday night and watched World Championship Wrestling. And because he was such a fan, I mean, I'm telling you, Tony Khan thinks about wrestling, I think, 24-7. He's got a lot going on with the, the Jags and Fulham uh, and uh, his other ventures. Uh, but uh, he he's always thinking about wrestling, and thank God he was one of those fans like yourself that said, let's try to do something. We got the money to do it and struck out a deal to be on TNT. So here I am today because, because of nostalgia, because of people watching and remembering um, the old times. I think there's one other very important point to make here as well. Nostalgia side and things like that. And, and that's the fact that, uh, Tony, you never lost it either. You know, right. you, yeah. you know, you've always been such a good, you know, play by play announcer. And, and I think too, the fact that even away, you were still doing that stuff coming back in. I think one of the things that was so reinvigorating and refreshing for a lot of people is you never missed a step. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you saying that. I, I really think that, I, I'm very critical of what I do. As you know, Dirk, um, I don't like to watch myself on TV and I, I very rarely will watch it back unless like Britt Baker forces me to, uh, you need to watch our interview, watch what we're doing. I said, Oh, geez. Okay. I'll watch it. Uh, and I, and I proudly say that on the last show, you guys talked about reaching a million. The highest rated segment was Britt's interview with me in the ring. Isn't that something? Uh, so that's Britt. That's not me. I want to, I want to make that clear, but uh, I, I appreciate you saying that, Dirk, but uh, I I have lost a step. Believe you me, I've been in this body the entire time. I know I have. It, <laughs> it takes me a little bit. Uh, I, I listened to some of the stuff back when, uh, especially now that Conrad and I are following the stuff from 1986, and I just don't have what I used to have, but I have the enthusiasm for the business that I used to have. I always thought, and I've always said, I've said many times on many of these different podcasts that the best wrestling announcers to me were always the ones who were fans first. And all of a sudden when a match gets good, I cease becoming an announcer and start becoming a fan like people watching. And I think that resonates. At least I like to think it does. And, and that's why maybe fans say I haven't lost a step. Maybe they say that, or maybe Dirk says that because my voice is so soothing. 
<laughs> you're the voice of my people say you're the voice of my childhood i hope you don't mind saying that i said no i'm i'm, I'm honored you would say that i don't mind you saying that at all it, it really honors me and another thing too that i that i like to think that that has helped me out through the especially in the last three or four years is that i'm very good with fans and i'm very good with fans and it's not disingenuous uh it's real and I, I'm authentic with fans when I meet them. I want to know their name. And I really, each fan that I talk to has a story about why they watch wrestling or why they watch me. And I want to hear it because it makes me feel good about what I did in the past. When someone comes up to me and says, your, uh, your show, be it Dynamite or even especially What Happened When, because as you know, Conrad and I get really off the rails with that, way off the rails <laughs> with that. And it gets at times very entertaining and very funny. When someone says to me, it helped me through a hard time during COVID or it helped me through a hard time when my father passed away or when my wife left me or I had a child sick. And I've heard all these stories. When I hear that, it, it, it makes me feel very, very good that what I've done in my career and what I'm doing now means something because I've often, I've often thought of myself as eh, just an announcer. I don't cure any diseases. I don't do any research. I, I, I don't do anything important in life. But if my, if what I do makes your life better, then maybe what I'm doing is important. So when I hear that, uh, I, uh, I feel good about it. And that's why I'm genuinely uh, nice to fans on, on a sincere level. Uh, there's nothing phony about me when I meet a fan. And because I, I appreciate each and every one of them, I really do. Even the crazy ones, <laughs> like Dirk. Okay, okay. No, wait, wait. To be fair, I never said I was a fan. Oh. Okay. All right. <laughs> you you've never heard okay. those words cross these lips, Tony. You know. <laughs> uh, I I think we started out this podcast by saying, Dirk, were you? Yes, I was a fan, but of then I wrestling. lost. Yeah, okay, right. of, of wrestling. wrestling. Okay, that's what I meant. I meant wrestling fan. I didn't mean my me, a fan oh, of me. Okay. I've been a okay. fan I, of wrestling. I yeah, a fan of wrestling. To, I thought you were. Uh, finally starting to put yourself over a little bit. No, I ain't doing that. I ain't doing that. Uh, no, I just uh, a fan of wrestling in general. And uh, so that's fair. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Sorry. You had to you see should... the, dark, the dark underbelly of what, it, what our working relationship is like. Yeah. There. Like... And he's right. He is sorry. Yeah. <laughs> for about okay. the last 14 months, man, when I finally said, you know, I think I'm the right guy for this job. Yeah. <laughs> Just on the topic of, of nostalgia, though, I mean, Dirk, you, in the comic book world at the moment, I mean, yeah. I found myself, especially during the pandemic, I was going back and buying old school comics and stuff like that. And, mm -hmm. and I don't know if you remember, um, uh, back in the day, there was a, a line of comics by a company named Malibu. I mean, like, yeah, yes. I, I went and purchased a whole bunch of like old school, like Mortal Kombat ones and things like that. Do you mm -hmm. find like that's even the same thing in the, uh, in the comic book world? Like, because wrestling fans, we congregate together uh, about you know, a random episode of thunder and we could be from anywhere on the globe. It's right. Is it a little bit the same uh, with, with comics? Like the mere fact that someone would be like, wait, you read the blood and thunder Malibu comic. Were you a fan of prime back in the day? Oh my God. Right, prime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the Malibu Shazam. Yeah. yeah. Um, no offense to the people that wrote prime. No. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, the one of the things they found is that, you know, there's always this talk about, Oh, the, the comic book industry is dead or the comic industry is dying. And we had one of our best years ever last year. And 
despite the pandemic. And you're right. And I think it's one of those things where um, during this time when we were all kind of quarantined and things like that, people started going back and rediscovering their love of comic books and things like that. Social media and video games and stuff, you know, even for the most ardent fans can only get you so far. And now that comic conventions are starting to open back up, even the few limited signings I've done, like store signings and things like that, have been off the rails because people are, are anxious to get back to that, that camaraderie again that we have amongst our fellow fans at comic book conventions and, and, and even you know, to a limited extent, I know we've been really, you know, doubling down on my, the horror aspect of what I do. And I, I do do horror conventions on a horror, Tony, horror <laughs> conventions. Got it, horror. Yeah. But people are so anxious to get back to seeing each other again. And in fact, just this week, I had dinner with um, some of my traveling buddies uh, from, from, you know, the Detroit scene. And a lot of us haven't seen each other in about 18 months. And these are people that, you know, five of us will chop up a room, a hotel room for a convention, you know, and get air mattresses and sleep on the floor. We eat together, we drive together and all that stuff. That camaraderie over our fandom is so, I think, such an important part of, of the industry and what we enjoy. You know, and it's been great to get back together with people and start talking comics again and things like that. You know, uh, I didn't start reading comics actually when I was a teenager. I was kind of like weird. I was, I'm like a, an anomaly in that world, so I didn't necessarily read a lot of like the superhero stuff growing up. But I love the medium. I love comics. I mean, you can see my office right now. I mean, I'm surrounded by bookshelves of comics. You know, and it's like, um, so. Yeah, you know, just like with wrestling too, it's that same thing. Get together and like, oh, did you watch Dynamite this week? Or you know, like, or Wednesdays at the comic shop, and you go to the comic shop and see your your friends there, or get back on the road and talk about what we're reading and stuff like that. Yeah, that that's a crucial part of it, and I'm really excited about getting back on the road now. Uh, Astronomicon is going to be the first my first full convention back, and. I'm excited to see everybody. I'm excited to talk about comics and put comics in their hands and share in that fandom and things like that. So yeah, that, that's a, that's a huge part of the draw to all of this. Oh yeah. And we would get ourselves in a lot of trouble if we didn't mention Astronomicon. Both you boys are going to be there. How excited are you to get to Ann Arbor in Michigan, Tony, to uh, meet up with Dirk in person. Might be a little bit awkward after this interview, but uh, to kick it with the fans. Well, I'm going to have my agent talk to Dirk. Uh, I won't get near him. Uh, and so I'll, that's why I'll work on that end. But this is like, this is my first Comic Con since C2E2 in uh, 20, uh, 2020, I guess, when we had our event there in Chicago. Yeah. And I, I've been, I've only been to two Comic Cons in my life, uh, and both have been C2E2. But I remember the last Comic Con or the last C2E2 I went to, uh, I told Conrad, and uh and even uh tony khan i said i will go you can book me in any comic con that you want i'll go to it now i end up spending more money than i make normally but that's part of the fun right yeah. i mean a lot of the things i've collected here i've gotten at comic cons uh, and uh, i mean i've got neil adams sign me things to the bat cave and everything and uh, so i uh 
I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be my first one back, and I've I've heard a lot about the uh, the Astronomicon people. Uh, Dirk and Drina have put me in touch with them. They have been just so gracious and so nice to me that I'm really looking forward to again uh, connecting with fans, being able to talk about the comic book, and being able to walk around and see what's going on. And I'm sure, based on you know the pandemic uh, and all that's going on, that this is going to be this is going to be quite a uh, quite a success, I would think, because I know that. Uh, People want to get back to them. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah the Astronomicon crowd's always so dedicated and stuff anyway. And, and even being at the show since its inception and watching the growth of the show every year. And now it gets a critical mass and having Tony there and the guests we have this year. And, and, like, and like Tony said, the idea of everyone wanting to get back to it and yeah. see each other again. You know, it, it, it's going to be pretty awesome. I'm really hoping, Tony, that you'll join us for the karaoke VIP party. <laughs> yes, I need to see video of that. Yeah, I, I, by the way, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you, uh, again, didn't read the fine print in the contract. That yeah, no, I don't care. Is. Listen, I love karaoke. I really do. Um, and um, I'm more than willing to be there. Oh, I'm all, I'm all, I'm all in. Right. It's a Party. start. We'll take it. That's right. Hey, Tony, real quick, what's your karaoke special? What, what are you a metalhead? What are you going to be busting no, out? No, 80s music. 80s is uh, the ooh, greatest God. decade ever of music, bar ooh. none. Don't talk to me about the 90s. 70s <laughs> was pretty good, real good. I like the 70s too, but the 80s, what I love. So any 80s music, uh, Journey, Huey Lewis and the News, oh, wow. uh, any of that stuff is what I really, really, really like. So that's it. Even right. even country music was great in the eighties. There you go. I, oh. the, I, th I think the real question we'll find out is: Can you hit those falsettos in "We Built This City" by Starship? That's what that'll be. We'll, what we'll find out at Astro. <laughs> that is one of the, <laughs> that is one of those songs people either love or they really really hate. <laughs> you know that. So yeah. Well, oh. Astro Astronomicon 4 is August 20th to 22nd. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. If you want details, head to astronomicon.com. Tony Schiavone, Dirk Maddock, it has been an absolute pleasure. And thank you so much for gifting us with so much of your time. Uh, this morning for us, but th that afternoon for you. We cannot wait to see butts and seats. Um, Dirk, if you want to um, keep up to date with everything that's up to you, do we just head to your website, dirkmanning.com? You're DirkMang.com. I'm across uh, almost all social media at Dirk Manning. Or yeah, go to DirkManning.com. has my convention schedule on there as well. Uh, contact information. People can stay in touch over they see fit. I have a newsletter I send out once a month. You can sign up on there. And, and most importantly, again, I hope everyone listening to this can make it to Astronomicon. Uh, this is going to be, like I said, my first convention back. And, and Tony, is this your first comic convention as a, as a full-blown guest? I think you no. did signings there too, though, right? I did signings at C2E2, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but, I did. But this will be Tony and I's. Well, we did we did the all-in uh, or double or nothing together. This will Fantastic. be our first comic convention. That's right. And, and I hate That's to tell right. you, Tony, but we are like catty corner to each other. So we're just- That's gonna, fine. Well, we'll have, we'll have Drina in, it'll be like the intermediary or something like that. It'll well, I've, I've, you know, I've got an intermediary coming with me and uh, she will stand between us so I can't see you. <laughs> If we can get a pot, if thank, we can get a thank you for that something. gift. <laughs> you're a giver, Tony. I don't care what yeah. people say about you. You're yeah. a good Yeah, I'll give you something. Hey, Nims. <laughs> <laughs> Nims, Ned, thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much for having us. It yeah. was a it was a blast. And uh, I know you had to wake up early for this. 
in Australia. It means a lot to us for you to help us with this and uh, call on us again. Please do. Are you kidding? We'd do it any time you free, you guys. But I really appreciate it. Butts and seats coming out later this year. Hopefully, you'll keep an eye out for it. And Tony, Dirk, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you, gentlemen. This has been another presentation from the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network. GreyWolfEntertainment.net.